Hi, this is Pastor Chris from Pure Church in Fort Pierce, Florida. We hope you enjoy listening to this three-part series from our Pure Conference with Pastor Alex Burgos from the River Orlando Church. Thank you, Jesus. My Lord, man. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place so strong. I'm so happy the Lord brought us here. My Lord, I love this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want everybody just to stand up in this place as you give and just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, I love this church. I love your pastor. You guys have an amazing man of God in this house. And it's a privilege to be here with him and his family. It's just so awesome. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do tonight. Father, I thank you. Let hunger arise in this place. Let faith arise in this place. Lord, I thank you. Let your word go forth. Let it go forth like a hammer, Lord Jesus. Let your word go forth and penetrate the hearts of men in this place. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we're carriers of your word. We thank you, Father, for revelation knowledge today. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for revival in this place. We thank you for every single hungry heart. We thank you, Holy Ghost. We thank you that your presence is already here. Father, thank you for this awesome worship in this place. We bless this house, Lord. We bless this house. It is a privilege to be here with our brothers and sisters. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Come on, just begin to thank them. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for what you're about to do here today. Come on, just thank them. Come on, just thank them. Brando Saba. Ma. We thank you, Holy Ghost. Mm. Lord, use me today to speak to your people, to encourage your people, to speak a timely now word to your people. Let it be edifying to this house. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, my friend, you may be seated. If you're looking to get stirred up, you came to the right place, amen? Even just as your pastor was sharing on the offering, I just, my God, I was getting all kinds of stirred up. Somebody said I was getting all kinds of stirred up. All kinds. I'm glad I wore my Gucci's. I, I stepped up my game. Today's a good day to wear your Gucci's, amen? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, bless God, Amen. And I want to start with that. You know, it's, it's amazing that he, your pastor mentioned that because it is along the lines of what I'm going to talk about today. My God. And I'm going to start with that. Even though it's my fifth point, I'm going to start with that because your pastor is talking about it. So I think it's timely to talk about it. Everybody say, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Amen. Today's going to be a, I feel like it's going to be a teaching night. How many of you guys like to learn the word? Amen. I love to teach, amen, I love to lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, we're revivalists, amen, but I really feel to bring a word, amen, to teach, a teaching, amen? amen. So the Bible teaches from the kingdom perspective, amen? The problem a lot of times is that we as Americans come from a democratic perspective looking at the word, 
So we're always trying to decipher kingdom things from this democratic perspective, amen? And a lot of times it muddies the water, even the way we think about prosperity. Because um, sometimes when a pastor would say something like that, like, my God, I'm raising, I want to raise my budget to 50000 a year for my clothing, some people would say, my God, that's such a waste. Pastor, Nick, aren't you ashamed of saying that? How could you ever say that? Well, the problem with that is, and the reason why many people think along these lines is because our, we allow our democracy to influence our doctrine. Amen? Everybody say kingdom. kingdom. In a kingdom, specifically the kingdom of God, the Bible says that God has promised us to bless us according to what? Mm, my God, we've got some studiers of the Bible in this place. Amen? God's going to bless us according to what? His what? His riches and glory in Christ Jesus, amen? Now, I believe when the Bible says his riches, it means his riches, amen? The Bible didn't, you know, God didn't stutter when he wrote that. He didn't stumble over that, his riches, amen? <laughs> amen, just in case it would offend somebody. God forbid we offend somebody, amen? No, the Bible clearly says it time and time again. We are blessed as kingdom people according to what economy? God's economy, Amen. God's kingdom, amen? And let me ask you this. In God's kingdom, is there any lack? Are you sure about that? No lack in God's kingdom. Are we fully convinced about that? And you get blessed from a place that there is no lack. Is that true? Is that what we believe? Well, the problem, the reason why people get offended at the giving message, and I'm just going to tell you, I'm not collecting an offering, so don't get nervous. We're not collecting a second offering here, amen? (laughs) I'm just going to give you some principles, amen? <laughs> if you want to go back on the website and, and put in another offering, you're welcome to do that. Amen. <laughs> Some of you might feel inspired to do that before the end of the service. Amen. <laughs> so it's according to who? His riches. Amen. So in America, we have this um, this teaching called uh, wealth redistribution. Have you ever heard about it? It's called what? Socialism, right? Well, socialism, and it's funny because socialism comes from a perspective that's opposed to what we believe as Christians, amen? Christians are conservatives, amen? And it's funny how that doctrine and that teaching wars 100% with God's economy. And if you have any of that in you, every single time somebody talks about the offering, you will get offended. Can I explain a little bit? Now. Somebody bring me, uh, actually, yeah, bring me those bottles of water. Let's see. Maybe one more bottle. There we go. All right, we have three bottles of water. Amen? If we have three thirsty people, it would make sense to do what? To give a bottle of water to every single person that's thirsty. Amen? But now, if we have three thirsty people, and I give three bottles to one person, what does everybody say? That's not fair. My God. But that perspective is based on what? Three bottles of water. It's based on limited resources. That's, that's the problem. And that's why people get offended. So God's economy works like this. God will bless him according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God will bless him according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody's going to get excited. God blesses her according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God blesses her according to his riches in Christ God blesses him according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Huh? Huh? 
Is that, do you really believe that? Now, why is it that you get offended when somebody begins to increase in a place of super abundance? Amen? Why does it offend you? It will offend you if you believe in wealth redistribution, which we do not believe. My God. Amen? Amen. I love that when you mentioned that today. My God. $50,000 budget for clothes? Come on, somebody. Let's offend somebody. Amen. Let me tell you this. If you are looking to be heirs according to the promise God made Abraham, you're going to go around offending somebody. Somebody's going to get offended. Amen. You're going to get offended at my suit. You're going to get offended at my watch. You're going to get offended at my $800 Gucci. Yes, they're $800. My God. Come on, somebody. Amen. My watch is worth more than most of your cars that drove up to this place, and I am not ashamed of that. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's right. See, you got to know where you come from. The Bible says as a born-again believer, are we born again? The Bible's in the Greek, the word born again means reborn from above, spiritually transformed. And now we're aliens to this world. We, we live in Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I get excited about this kind of stuff. Now, if you live according to the soulish realm, it's going to be very hard for you to tap into what I'm talking about today. If you're living out of the carnal realm, very hard. Amen? Well, we're not called to be soulish Christians. We're not called to be carnal Christians. We're called to be what? Spiritual. Amen? Amen. And if you are spiritual, there is no lack. Come on. Absolutely no lack. So I believe in prosperity. If there is, if there was any, but ever anybody that believed in prosperity, it's me. My God. Amen? Amen. So we don't believe in wealth redistribution. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go in some scriptures here right now to help clarify. Amen? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So you can see how over the top God is. Now before I start there, I'll, do the, I'll say this. When God created the earth, the Bible said it was good. Everybody say it was good. So God is a God of abundance, of goodness, amen? And it was God's dream to share all of the resources on earth with his sons, amen? And there are heirs according to the promise. Remember, the promise that God made Abraham was the promise that God made to Adam, amen? It's the same promise. Adam couldn't fulfill it. God had to redo it with Adam, amen? And Christ came to fulfill it for us so that we can have it, so that we can be heirs according to the promise that God made Abraham. So this whole thing about Christianity, what a lot of people don't recognize, is about who are the sons of Abraham. Before I, before I start with the scripture, I'm going to make you think a little bit today. Amen? Is that good? Yes. Can I make you think a little bit? Yes. I got a lot to say, so I'm trying to see how I bring it across. Amen? There's a lot in this. Amen? amen. Everybody say it's about, the sons of it's about the sons of Abraham. Now, on the earth right now, there are three people groups that claim to be the sons of Abraham. Amen? amen. Each one of them believe 
I'll, I'll put it this way. They believe in the promise that God gave Abraham. The Muslims do, the Jews do, and the Christians do. Three people groups that claim the promise of Abraham, to be the descendants of Abraham. Amen? That's the whole difference. That's the whole quarrel between Jews and Christians. Who are the sons of Abraham? Amen? And it's amazing that the other two people groups that claim to be the descendants of Abraham don't have a problem claiming prosperity. Because that's the only way you can interpret that promise. Come on, I'm going to make you think today. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to make you think today. The reason why Christians struggle with prosperity is because of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is a a deceptive doctrine came through the Catholic Church to Christians, and that is the oath of poverty, which is not in Scripture, by the way. You cannot find it in Scripture. And actually, in all of our Latin American countries that are predominantly Catholic, they all struggle with one thing, two things, corruption and poverty. Is that true? Do you think that's a coincidence? Now, America is very blessed because we believe the Word of God, amen? amen. And the Word of God, all the, bless, all the blessings, all the principles for prosperity are in the Word, amen? God created prosperity. If God thinks it, it multiplies. If He wants to do it, He does it with abundance. This is our God, amen? amen. God doesn't do anything halfway. You're not halfway, Amen? The Bible says before he formed you in your mother's womb, he placed a call and a gift on your life. Amen? That means before even your personality was developed, God had a call and a gift in your life. Amen? And a lot of people struggle with their calling because of who they are after their flesh, the color of their skin, the demographic where they grew up in. But that's got nothing to do with the call and the gift on your life. Because before you were formed in your mother's womb, before you had flesh, when you were just spirit and soul, God prophesied your spirit and your soul. Mm. said I'm going to make you think today. Amen? It's amazing when you ask somebody, why is it that you can't do what God's called you to do? What are the first thing that people begin to mention? They begin to mention all the weaknesses after their flesh, the color of their skin, the hood they grew up in, the this or that. Every single excuse that people use as to why they can't do what God's called them to do is always natural. When God called you and he prophesied over you, natural had nothing to do with it. He prophesied to your spirit and your soul. Can I get an amen? amen. So what, that's, what does that have to do with it? Nothing. Amen? It's got nothing to do with it. Amen? And we're going to get to another part of that. The fire of God is to deal with the weakness of the flesh so that that promise may be fulfilled. My God. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Somebody's going to get it. We'll get to that. <laughs> amen? Did you hear what I just said? The fire comes to deal with the weak member, which is the flesh. The Bible says the flesh is contrary to the what? It wars against what? The word, amen? So the flesh is the weak member, amen? When we deal with the flesh, when the fire deals with the flesh, then that prophecy that God spoke comes to life because now you begin to see according to the spiritual eye, not through your carnal eye, amen? Amen. Come on, you're created for greatness. You are fearfully and wonderfully made to shine. You're an ambassador of the kingdom of God. A royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. Amen? We are ambassadors. We represent the kingdom of God. What ambassador goes to battle without the backing of the kingdom that sent them? Or the country country that sent them? Think about that. 
What ambassador in what nation lacks any resource? Tell your neighbor, God's called us to prosper, to multiply, to build the kingdom of God on the earth. He said, pray like this. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is that true? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let there be no lack on the earth. Let there be no sickness and disease on the earth. Let there be no depression on the earth. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let there be no defeat on the earth as it is in heaven. I give you the kingdoms. What? I give you the keys to the kingdom, he said. Whatsoever you what? Shall be bound in the heavens. Whatsoever you what? On the earth will be loose in the heavens. Amen? Amen? That's what kingdom's ambassadors do. Amen? We are called by God, equipped by God, to represent God, to bring the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Amen. To loose and bind, to build and to tear down. Tear down strongholds and build the kingdom of God. Amen. Come on, somebody. You are a miracle-working machine. Yes. You are unstoppable. You have all of heaven backing you up, my friend. And I'm going to encourage you along these lines the next two days. Come on, somebody. My goal is that when we're done here, you're going to be radioactive with faith. Amen? Because it's going to be the word. Amen? We're going to go through a lot of scripture. Amen? Is that good? All right, let's get into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Now, I'm going to read this, and it might sound a little different today. You know why it might sound a little different today? Because I just told you I wasn't going to collect an offering. A lot of times when people say they're going to collect an offering, people just shut off their ears. So you might hear this a little different, dude. Amen? It's a joke, guys. (laughs) I probe, man. I'm telling you. I'm good at it. (laughs) I I find the button and I push it. Amen? All right, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Actually, you know what? Let me go back a little bit here. Let's go to verse 5. Somebody say verse 5. I can't believe I forgot verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 5. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand. Everybody say, prepare your gift beforehand. beforehand. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the way God's kingdom works in in the area of prosperity. You know that you're beginning to change on your outlook of money and the offering when you begin to prepare things ahead of time. Amen. You might want to write that down. I'm telling you right now. I'll give you an example. Um, we're under Pastor Rodney's covering. Pastor Rodney is my pastor, and we're River Church. And when I'm going to go to a conference, me and my wife pray before we go to the conference. And we say, honey, <laughs> what are we going to sell? What are we going to prepare? Amen? And we begin to pray. And we always prepare something that we get very excited about. Amen? So you know you're getting it when you start preparing. Amen? In our church, when I do the offering, I always encourage people not to give if their heart is not in their giving. Amen? Always. He goes to my church. He knows what I'm talking about. So I tell the people, and I do this on purpose. I I do it all the time. I share on the offering, and I say, 
if there's anybody here in this place that's offended at what I'm sharing on the offering, I said, meet me after church. And if you don't want to meet me after church, just SMS me or write to me on Facebook. Say, my brother, I, I don't believe in what you're talking about, this whole thing on prosperity. I'm bothered by it. And I told him, I'll give you $100. I'll give you $200. Anybody that gets offended. I said, if you take me up on it, I'll do it. Just so you know, it's not about the money. I'll give you $200. I'll be a blessing to your life. Amen, because you're going to need it. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, and I will do it. Actually, I'll do it tonight. You can find me on Facebook, River Orlando Church. I promise you, God is my witness. If you get offended at what I'm saying and you think it's about the money, just SMS me. I'll send you $200. And I also tell my church this. These are some of the things I say to my church. I tell them this. I said, if nobody gave in the offering today, we can run the church for a whole year without anybody giving in the offering. And that is a fact. So we're not just talking about this. We live this. And you can live it. And it's exciting when you grab a hold of the principle because it'll change your life. Let me tell you this. What if money was never an obstacle for you doing what God called you to do? What if money was never an obstacle? Because it isn't. Money is not even an obstacle. It's an illusion. Mm. When you're bound by it, you're, you're, it's like the carrot that, 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 that you just can never grab a hold of. It's elusive. That's money. Amen? When your heart is right about money and God can trust you, the Lord will bless you out of control. I'm just telling you right now. Amen? Let's get to this. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. My God. It's amazing how in most churches around America, not this church, obviously, it's like people have to peddle the offering because they're always on the eight ball. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, we got to pay the bills and we gotta, you got to give and you got to give and you got to get you. And, it, and, and people begin to peddle the offering. Amen. But as, as believers, we don't have to, there's no need to do that because we're supposed to live out of the overflow. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Every single one of you, including the ministry, amen? And this ministry lives out of the overflow. You've got 19 acres. Come on. Say hallelujah, somebody. Come on, somebody. This ministry believes it. Look at this. Not as a grudging obligation. Giving actually comes from a totally different place. It comes from worship. And your love to God. Amen? Look at everywhere in Scripture where the offering is highlighted. Every single place. Cain and Abel. Let's start with that. One was received. The other one wasn't. Why? One was worship. The other one was not. Amen? Now, many people preach the offering like everything that is given is received. Listen to this principle. Everybody preaches the offering like everything that is given is received. I tell our people, if your heart is not in your giving, might as well keep your money because you're going to need it. We certainly don't need it. Are you listening to me? When's the last time you ever heard something like that? Are you listening to me? Kyler, come here real quick. Let me give you an illustration. Um, give me, does anybody have an offering envelope? Thank you. Man, my God, these people got offering envelopes everywhere. I like this place. The guy's like, just came out of nowhere, like a magic trick. I like this place. <laughs> now, 
people, and we're talking about seed time of harvest, but I'm going to teach you a principle that goes before seed time of harvest. Seed time of harvest works, but it doesn't work without this underlying principle. Amen? Are you tracking with me? So everybody says, well, if you're in lack, if you need a breakthrough, come on, somebody. Who needs a financial breakthrough in this house? My God. Right? Everybody does that. So you got to give. You got to give. My God, if you give, the Lord will bless you. Get down. Running over. Shaking together. And people get all hyped up. Right? But hype is not faith, by the way. Hype is like a game show that's promising you something if you participate. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. And this is not a game show. The things of God are not a game. Your heart is not a game. You can't play with the things of God. The offering is actually something very holy to God. And when you begin to look at it that way, your whole perspective on money will change. And God will begin to prosper you. Can I get an amen? So people teach, it's almost like, it's like, it's almost like playing the lottery. Well, if you need a breakthrough, you got to give, you got to give, you got to give, you got to give. Acting as if you need a financial breakthrough, God doesn't want to bless you. You have to do this in order for God to bless you. But it doesn't really work that way. So if he were to give because he wants a breakthrough, now stretch it out. Now he wants a breakthrough and he's giving. He's like, God, I know you don't want to multiply me, but I'm going to force you to multiply me. I'm going to twist your hand because I'm going to empty my bank account. And now you have to bless me. That's not the way it works. Because even if the man, even if the man emptied out his, bless, his, his uh, bank account, this is what God's going to do. Do you think God's impressed by the amount? This is what God's not impressed with the amount. So God's going to go like this. And he's going to go like that. And if the heart is pleasing to God, if it's worship, then the offering is received. Are you listening to me? You can't circumvent that process, people. It does not matter what you give in the offering if your heart is messed up. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Okay? Don't treat it that way because it will never work for you. I'm going to say something that's, you know, it's going to maybe sound whatever. But I'll say it anyways. If this, the way people understand it, now let's be real. Can we be real in this place? Is it okay if I'm real? If that, which is what we're talking about, if it would have worked by now, do you think it would have worked? Now I said I believe in seed time. I do believe in seed time. But there's a way that works. And there's a way that it doesn't work. Are you listening to me? And it all has to do with your heart. You can't fake your heart. Look, it's, it's, it's amazing how people forget 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when it comes to the offering. You can have the voice of an angel and prophesy and do all these amazing things. But if you don't have love in what you're doing, it's nothing. It's a clanging cymbal and a noisy gong. Is that true? So when your heart is not pure... When you give something, that offering becomes a clanging symbol and a noisy gong to God. And it's not going to multiply because he's not obligated in multiplying anything. God can only multiply what he can see. 
And everything that's done outside of faith is sin. So you can empty out your bank account, but don't mean God sees it. If it's done out of a get-rich-quick scheme or you're looking for God to bail you out or any other reason, that doesn't have to do with worshiping God with your substance. Everybody, tell your neighbor it's all about your heart. The reason this conference is called Pure Conference is because that's what we want to focus in on. Amen? It's all about the purity of your heart. The more pure your heart is towards the Lord, then everything that you do for him begins to be seen. And when God sees it, he'll promote you. You know why? Because God is literally looking throughout the earth, trying to find somebody with a pure heart that he can multiply. Can I get an amen? amen. He is searching diligently. People are struggling like, man, when God, when are you going to give me a break? Like, what are you implying? You're implying that God doesn't want to give you a break, that he's not for you, that he's not good? Come on, somebody. We just got to make up what is lacking, like the apostle Paul said. He said, in my own self, I make up what is lacking to make the word of God fully known to you. Amen? And if we just go through the word and allow the word to sift out our heart, amen, and to purify our heart, and everything that we do begins to become pure before the sight of the Lord, then that's an offering that God will multiply. And you will be blessed. Tell your number, you will be blessed. Everything that's done outside of faith is sin. And the reason it's sin is because it's iniquity. It's your will. And your good works and your whatever you do that you think is good, if it's not inspired by the spirit of grace, which empowers us to do the will of God, God's not interested. Are you listening to me? We have to be people of faith. Amen. We have to operate out of our spirit. Amen. Everything begins in our spirit. It's birthed out of our spirit by faith. Amen. We read his word. We walk by faith. And the Bible says when we walk by faith, we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. So it's inspired by the spirit of grace. God empowers us to be like him. But if it's birthed in anything else outside of faith, God's not impressed. That's where the purity comes in, amen? So when it comes to prosperity, it's amazing how you begin to talk about prosperity and already people want to judge you. And the reason why people want to judge you when you talk about money is because that's the idol in their own life. Mm, you, be, you go around messing with somebody's idol and they, they start getting sketchy. People start foaming at the mouth. <laughs> my God, you're messing with my idol. Just leave it alone. Don't touch it. We're going to get all up in it. We might break that thing before it's all said and done. So that's why the giving message, if it's not qualified by love, it does not work, my friend. If it's not qualified by love, it does not work. If there is no purity in the giving, it, the giving is worthless. Because God surely doesn't need your money, and neither we do we. Amen? Come on, somebody. I can do whatever I want to do for God. God tells me, go to China, I'm going to China. Amen? We might fly on a private plane if I feel like it. Amen? Maybe I'll do it just to irritate a couple of people, take a couple pictures on Instagram. Amen? Somebody's got a fix for Jesus. I figure it'd be me. Somebody got to do it. My armor bearer's wearing a $60,000 watch. Yes, I said that. We, we, why not? You should be happy about that. Let me tell you something. If you can't rejoice in somebody else's prosperity, there's a problem. 
You might believe in that wealth redistribution thing. We've got to get that thing out of you. See, when things are limited, then it's very hard to rejoice in your brother's blessing because you feel like he's taken from you. But when you know it's unlimited, then, man, you rejoice in your brother's blessing. And the more your brother prospers, my God, you're inspiring me to prosper. I'm beginning to see the covenant of our father Abraham on you. I'm getting excited about that. Amen? Amen. It does not leave any room for hate. But the haters come out of the woodwork when they believe in this wealth redistribution thing. It's happening in America, isn't it? Capitalism's being torn down. In our country, suffering, is it not? Nobody wants to go to work. Everybody's entitled. Huh? We got to tax some rich people. They're messing everything up. Yeah, these rich, these rich people are messing everything up, creating jobs for everybody, giving everybody an income. These people just mess everything up. What are you talking about? What if they didn't create those jobs in your city? What are you going to do? You're going to be twiddling your thumbs at home because we surely know you ain't creating no jobs. You're going to be home playing Call of Duty is what you're doing. Somebody's got to pay the price, do the work, create some jobs. Somebody's got to believe in prosperity. How about the sons of Abraham? Come on. Hmm? The Bible says the, the world groans and travails for the manifestation of the sons of God. Because the sons of God are the ones that were originally supposed to be in charge. Now we talked about the three people groups claiming this promise that God made Abraham. Who runs the banks of the world? The money system, the money supply, the banks of the world, who owns them? You want to know who owns them? The Jews. You know they claim to be the sons of Abraham, right? You know they're claiming the same promise God promised us. It's amazing how they interpret it by taking over the whole economic structure of the world. Hmm, interesting how that works. They don't believe in, they don't believe in poverty. The Jews don't believe in poverty. They own just about everything. Am I lying? Not too many Jews broke. I haven't found too many. Let's talk about the Muslims. How are they interpreting the promise that God gave Abraham? By trying to take over the world themselves. Is that the truth? Economically, is that the truth? By oil, is that the truth? Will the real sons of Abraham please stand up? Come on, somebody. When are you going to get a hold of this? You are it, my friend. You are it. When are you going to grab a hold of this thing? Come on, let's take over and wrap this thing up for Jesus. My God. Hey. My God. Woo. When are you, when are you going to grab a hold of this thing? I break that spirit of poverty over your life. I command you to prosper. My God. Jesus. Woo. There's a prophecy that says that God cannot come back. He will not come back until Israel begins to be saved. Is that true? Have you read that part? The Bible says the whole world will be evangelized, but the Jews will long for jealousy what God gave the Gentiles. Is that true? Is that true? And they will long for jealousy, what we have. And then they will get saved. The Jews basically run the world, people. I don't know if you know that. 
Why would they envy us? Think about it. They're going to envy us when the sons of Abraham begin to act like the sons of Abraham. And we begin to have dominion and rulership like we were intended to. Man, these people, these tongue-talking Pentecostals, I used to think they're crazy, but they're running things now. It looks like they have the promise that God made our forefather Abraham. I think we should begin to follow them because they basically done bought everything up. Anyways. If the latter glory shall be greater than the former. Is that true? If it really is like that. Look at the Muslims. Look what they built in Dubai. Look at that. They believe they're the sons of Abraham. That's why they work so hard at what they do. I believe before Jesus comes on the earth, what God will do with his people will make Dubai look like they were trying really hard. I'm just telling you right now. I'm just telling you right now. That's what God's going to do on the earth, people. We're talking about outpouring of the Spirit, outpouring of resources, outpouring everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. That's what I'm talking about. How is everything that can be shaken, shaken? Who's going to do the shaking, people? Who's going to go in the entertainment industry? Who's going to go in the banking industry? Who's going to do it? Anybody willing to step up to the plate? Come on, you are it. You're the sons of Abraham. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to decide to partner with God and allow God to dream big on the inside of them. My son, I'll raise you up like I did David. Hey, shabrosaketaramandara. That's what I'm talking about. Some of you look, you look down upon yourself. You belittle yourself. But even you can't even qualify yourself by doing that. Because my Bible says God has not chosen many of noble birth, but he has chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. And let me be a foolish thing for God. God has not chosen many of noble birth. But he has chosen the foolish things. So if you're listening to me out here and you're like, how am I going to do it? I'm just a fool. You're God's choice. <laughs> Come on, be encouraged. I'm just a little old fool. That's the people that God likes to use. Newsflash. What you think disqualifies you is actually what qualifies you in the eyes of God. When a man thinks he's nothing, he's empty. It's much easier to fill something that's empty than to fill something that's full. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Dropping some truth now. Very hard to fill something that's full. But if you're empty, I ain't got nothing. Great. I'm looking for some people that will not muddy the waters with their self-ambition. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm looking for somebody that will just do what I say when I say without an opinion or something added to it. That's why the Bible says, if a man keeps his life after the flesh, he will lose it. But if he lays it down, he'll have that eternal life. And that eternal life that we're talking about there is that Zoe life. Mm, I feel faith in this place. Look at this. But I say, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he has purposed where? Not in his mind, not out of his lack, but out of his heart. You give out of your heart. You don't give out of need. You don't give out of desperation. You give out of your heart. 
And like I was saying before, everywhere, if you look in the Bible, anywhere that the offering is celebrated, it's always been an altar of worship. Cain and Abel, the woman with the alabaster box, David, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, one of, my, one of my most favorite scriptures in the Bible, and I go back and read it. I can do a whole teaching on that. I love it, but I'll give you the cliff notes. <laughs> so David, God gave Israel, he defeated all their enemies from generation to generation to generation. God blessed and prospered Israel. Everywhere they took the ark, they had the victory, and God was with Israel. And so David's speaking to the prophet, and he says to the prophet, after they've been defeated all their enemies, they're comfortable, they're living in all the spoils, they're blessed. And so Israel decides to build King David a house of cedar. So he's sitting in this kingdom in this mansion that Israel built for him. But David can't enjoy it. And he says, how is it that I'm in a house of cedar, but my Lord sits in a tent? Because from generation to generation, they took the Ark of the Covenant and they kept it in a tent instead of building God a house. And after God gave him the victory, they built a house for man, for the king, but not for the king. And God didn't say anything about it. So the prophet says, do as it is in your heart. And that night, the prophet goes, and, is, and the Lord reveals himself to the prophet. And it's very interesting, very telling, that conversation that the Lord had with the prophet. Very, very telling. Because he begins to tell the prophet, from generation to generation, I blessed you. I gave you the victory. God was watching. He was keeping record. And he said this, he said this I never asked you to build me a house. But he was keeping record. God's very patient. So imagine generation born, generation dies. God gives him the victory. He's still in a tent. And God's not happy because he's in a tent. But he doesn't say anything. He stays quiet, waiting to see who would honor him. Waiting. People don't understand why David was so blessed. 2 Samuel chapter 7 is the reason why God blessed David so much. It's the reason why God called David a man after his own heart. Because David was the man that decided to build God his house. So giving gets a hold of God when your heart's in it. He said, I never asked. Generation came and went. And I never asked anybody to build me a house. But David, my servant, because you have decided to honor me this way. And then he begins to prophesy not only how great David's kingdom will be and was. But he begins to prophesy what his sons will do and how great their kingdoms will be. Solomon's blessing came from Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Because of what his dad decided to do. The Lord re released that blessing upon Samuel. My God. When you have a heart of honor and you become a person of honor, it changes everything. David was a man of covenant. He understood covenant, and he honored the Lord. And because he had a pure heart to honor the Lord, God honored him. And my friend, I'm going to tell you right now, if you become a person where love becomes the foundation of everything you do, you become a covenant man and a covenant woman, and you begin to honor God and honor those that God has put in authority, I promise you right now, the blessing of God will follow you all the days of your life. Everything you will put your hand to will prosper. Everything. You will be blessing the city, blessing the field. You become an unstoppable force. Amen. That's why God loved David so much. Mm, I feel the heart of God in this place.
Everybody say love. The best way you can define love in the Bible is a word called covenant. Amen? Everybody talks about the love of God, but nobody really wants to be covenant people. Amen? If you want to know what love is, according to God, it's a covenant. God cut a covenant with man, with his only son, Jesus. The Bible says before the foundations of the earth were laid, the Lamb of God decided to give his life. God cut a covenant with man and gave man his best. Amen? That's how much God loves you. You got to understand your value and who you are. Your value to God is Jesus Christ. That's how valuable you are to God. So let each one give as he has purposed in his heart. David purposed in his heart to honor the Lord. And God made him. The Bible says that in that prophecy that God was going to make him the greatest man on the earth. That his name was going to be great on the earth. And his son's name, the generations that came, they will be great. And I will bless them. Not grudgingly or out of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Everybody say necessity. Necessity. It's a very, very, very important thing when it comes to finances. I don't do anything out of need, amen? Are you listening to me? Tell your neighbor, don't do anything out of need. I am a man of faith, amen? Amen. I'm not moved by need. Now let me ask you this. How can you be moved by need without your physical senses? Let me ask you this. Could you be moved by need without your physical senses? Right? The answer to that is no, right? And the Bible says we are to walk by what? And not by what? Amen? When you're a man that's dominated by need and you're moved by need, you're walking by sight. Why do I say that? Because a lot of times your resources are wasted. Focus on need all the time. People come to you and they want to leech off of you. Amen? And I'll tell you this, even ministries. Don't ever give to a ministry that's peddling a need. I never do. And I highly encourage you don't. Do not allow need, what you see by sight, to manipulate what you do. You do things out of your heart, out of faith. Amen? My giving, I would say over 90% of my giving is is always to honor those that God has put over, over me as authorities. Amen? Because giving should be worship, to honor. Amen? But a lot of people, they are constantly... The Bible says, and the Bible warns us about these people in the church that come around, busybodies, always peddling. Don't give to people that peddle. Amen? Because if you give to people that peddle, then that means that you believe that's what's, that what is going to answer their need is money. And money is not what answers the need. Amen? you got to break people out of that spirit of poverty. You actually got to disciple them and teach them the word. Amen? I'm going to give you a quick illustration, uh, a story. I was in Africa for several years. And I was in and out of the townships in South Africa. The Lord called us to minister in the townships. And it was beautiful. Some of the best years of my life. And I became a father to these kids. Everything was very personal with me. I mean, I love these kids. We fought for these kids. We were getting kids off of drugs. We had all these sports programs. And we were having revival in the townships. And I loved these kids. And I like watches. So, you know, I brought my watch collection over there. I had nice things and things like that. 
And um, one day I wanted to uh, bless one of my guys that I really loved. And the Lord told me this. He said, don't give him that watch. And I said, God, but I love him. I want to give him the watch. He said, no. He said, if you give him the watch, then he's always going to be looking for the next thing you're going to give him. And he'll stop listening to what you're saying. He said, I want you to break that spirit of poverty off of him. And I want you to give him my word. And when you break that spirit of poverty, I'll let you know. And then you can bless him. So what am I saying, people, is a lot of times you actually hinder people's faith by, ba by bailing them out. So being a person that is motivated by need is a person that's being constantly manipulated by somebody else. And we're not called to be manipulated. We're called to respond out of faith. I only do. I don't, let, let me tell you this. I don't feel sorry for anybody. And the reason I don't feel sorry for anybody is because we have this hope living on the inside of us. Are you listening to me? And I suggest you don't feel sorry for anybody. If somebody wants to change our life, all they have to do is change what they're sowing. Because my Bible says God is not mocked in this principle. Whatsoever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. So if we help people by teaching them right, then they begin to sow different things and then they begin to reap different things. Amen? Amen. So money is actually not what people need. What people actually need is discipleship, mentorship, and the, love, and, 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 and the word of God. Amen? There's only, there's, only, there's only a certain kind of need that the Bible tells us to give to, and that's orphans and widows. Outside of that, that's it. And we do that. We have, we have a homeless ministry in our church. Our homeless ministry has been on the news three times. Our homeless ministry actually supplies, supplies for ten other homeless ministries out of our little church because God's blessed our homeless ministry. So we do that, and God just blesses. As a matter of fact, we taught the lady that runs our homeless ministry, we taught her the principles. And I go to her and I tell her, what do you need? Let me give you some money. She's like, we don't need any money. She's completely self-sufficient from the church. Because we taught her the principles and she's just running with it. And she's got so much resources, you don't even know what to do with it. I'm just telling you, these principles work. When you grab a hold of these principles, these, these principles will work for you. It's amazing how I find in a lot of ministries, you have pastors that are hired on as shepherding pastors or you have, all the, you have people that work for ministry. And they're always looking for a raise. And a lot of times you see people get offended because they don't have a raise or the ministry's not paying them enough. And, I, and I'm like, man, what a poverty mentality. Amen? As a, as a kingdom ambassador, we should believe to come to a place where we don't even have to collect a salary from the ministry. Well, we have so much abundance that we can actually be a blessing to the ministry. And I'm not saying that a workman's not worth his wages. Yes, he is. But this entitlement about, oh, my God, where are you putting your trust? That's very important. Maybe that's the reason why you're not blessed. Are you listening to me? Come on, I'm getting in the weeds here. But it's good. Amen? We should come to a place where there's so much abundance in us that it just oozes out of us, and anybody that's in contact with us is constantly blessed. Tell your neighbor, let's get to it. Look at this. I'm just throwing some things out there making you think, amen? There are no victims. You only become a victim if you change your source from Jesus. If Jesus is your source, you can't be a victim. But if anything else becomes your source, then you can become a victim. Personal accountability is a thing that's been lost in the church, amen? Look at this. So let each one give as he has purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver, amen? 
You know your heart is in your giving when you're cheerful about it, and you don't have to do it grudgingly or under compulsion. Amen? For God is able to make all grace abound. Everybody say, all grace abound. Where does this grace abound? In the area of finances? Is that what we're talking about? Everybody say yes. God is able to make all grace abound. So there is an abundance of grace for those that are cheerful givers. Woo! In the area of finances. My God. That's exciting. Mm. I get excited about that. Tell you number, there's an abundance of grace of those whose heart is in their giving. That's how you break poverty off of your heart. Amen? Look at this. Abound towards you. That you, that you always, everybody say always. always. That you always abound in this grace. Seriously? Say yes. yes. Hmm. That's the standard. We're preaching the standard. The word is the plumb line, and we are to look at our lives according to the plumb line and line up to it. Amen? That you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That is the standard. Amen? That is what we should live up to. That's what we need to have faith towards. Can I get an amen in this church? This is what God actually wants to do in your life. Amen? Apply that practically through your life. God wants to abound towards you. Always having an all-sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now look at this. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. That means when you're a cheerful giver, God actually gives you more seed to sow. And when you give, God multiplies it back to you, but he gives you seed to sow and bread to eat. So your seed gets multiplied in two ways, to sow and to eat. Isn't that amazing? Because everybody wants to reap, but you got to recognize part of that reaping is to give again. You know why that's exciting? Because once you start the cycle, it never ends. Think about it. My God, that's why it's called multiplication. You never thought about it that way? Let's think about it. Say, think about it. One Times two is what? So he, you take your one, and he turns it into two. Because he gives you seed to sow and bread to eat. And then you take that seed to sow, and then you sow it again, and that one becomes two again. And then I got some bread to eat, and I got some seed to sow. And it never stops as long as you don't stop. And it becomes a perpetual harvest. Can I get an amen? amen. My God. That's why the Bible says all of the earth is founded on the principle of seed, time, and harvest. But the way you activate seed, time, and harvest is what we talked about, is having a pure heart. Once you have the pure heart and you begin to activate that seed, time, and harvest, that harvest becomes perpetual, my God. It never stops, and he always multiplies it. That is exciting, my friend. That is the key to financial prosperity according to the Bible. It never stops. That seed becomes two. That seed becomes two. That seed becomes two. That seed becomes two. And it never stops. It always multiplies. There's always bread to eat, and there's always seed to sow. 
Everybody say, there's always bread to eat. Got to get my bread. Give me some of that bread. Amen. People say that all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, I got some bread. White people are like, what? Bread? Making me a sandwich? With mayonnaise? <laughs> you got that one. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> somebody got a hold of this thing. Come on, somebody. Hey. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Seed to sell, bread to eat. It doesn't stop as long as you don't stop. Now, if I sow and God gives me seed to sow and bread to eat and I eat my seed, then it stops. So you decide when it starts and when it stops. You get your heart right, once your heart is right, you start, and you never stop, and he never stops, and it never stops, and it always multiplies. Everybody said, that sounds like a good deal to me. Look at this. Bread for food, seed to sow, and supplies, look at this, supplies and multiplies the seed you have sown. And increases the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything with all liberality. Because people want to say, well, all oh, the bread, it's not talking about, it's not talking about material things. You know, it's just talking about God's going to just take care of your needs. And you're just going to have bread for you and your family. Bread being a type and shadow of a diet. You know, like God just wants to take care of you. Just so that you eat and you are satisfied, right? But unfortunately, the Bible clarifies the point. Amen? So you can talk, so you can talk to your Baptist friend, amen? Mm, understand what you're saying, but let, you know, the problem is this next verse, yeah, not tracking with you here, buddy. Look, everybody say the next verse. While you are enriched in what? Seriously, guys? Yeah? Everything? Are you sure? Come on, man. This is too good. It sounds like when you seek God's kingdom and you put it first, sounds like all these things will be added to you. Hmm, sounds like that verse, doesn't it? Scripture confirming scripture. We didn't come up with this prosperity thing. Amen? The Pentecostals didn't come up with it. Amen? This is the way that God operates. Amen? Let me give you another example. This is the way the whole earth operates. The Bible says the whole earth operates on the principle of seed, time, and harvest. How do you grow your food, right? You get that, right? God's on earth, and he's like, you know what? It's just us three. You know, we've got all this stuff. Man, you know what? I kind of want some company. I want some company. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my seed, my son, and I'm going to sow him into the earth. So that I can reap more sons. Sounds like a good plan. The Bible calls Jesus the firstborn of many sons being brought to glory. Amen. Hmm. Come on, give Jesus a clap in this place. This is, the, this is the way heaven operates. This is God's economy. This is the way God operates. Amen. God wanted more sons. Guess what he did? 
He put a seed in the ground, didn't he? And what came out of it? More sons. The problem why, look, the problem, the reason why people have a problem with this, it really comes around money, currency. Because money and currency is an idol to people. When money's your God, then you get offended about these principles. Amen? But this is the way heaven operates. Amen? The firstborn of many sons being brought to glory. He sowed a seed. And guess what? He got a harvest. Just saying. While you're enriched in everything with all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Look at this. For the ministration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also abounding. Amen? So it's clarifying because people just want to focus on this needs thing. So that God felt like he had to clarify because he knew, he knew that people were going to try to bring that up. So he's separating need from abounding. Amen? Do you see it? But also abounding, what? Through many thanksgiving to God, while through the proof of this ministry, what is it? What's talking about giving? They glorify God for your obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. So you know what it says? It says that people will actually thank God that you were born again because you're such a radical giver. My God. People will thank God that you showed up into the city. And this guy's blessed everywhere he goes. He just blesses. He's full of the blessing of God. And people will begin to give your God glory because of how blessed you are. Are you listening to me? So you being prosperous, everybody's trying to make it a personal thing about being prosperous. And they make it about a one-on-one thing. Us prospering has got nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with bringing our God glory. Amen? I'm blessed because. Amen? Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was broke, busted, and disgusted, now I'm blessed. Amen? My marriage is blessed. My children are blessed. Amen? Everything I put my hand to is blessed. Amen? When I go to work, they thank God I showed up because I'm that guy that carries the blessing. Amen? Amen. My boss thanks me that I show up to work because ever since I started showing up, the bottom line started going up. That's who you are. You need to walk with that chip on your shoulder. I am an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Everywhere I show up, people need to thank God for me showing up in the place. They will. If you're a blessing, if you carry this blessing, people will give your God glory. Think about it. Why does the world need to listen to the church? Why should they listen, right? We go out there, hey, guys, you need to come listen to us. Why? Hold on. Are you guys building any parks? Orphanages? What about hospital care? Uh, What are you guys doing? Why should we come and listen to you guys? Think about it. You guys own any companies? Hey, what about technology? You guys do that? Do you guys build some iPads or something? I mean, I know what Steve Jobs can do, and he's a Buddhist. I listen to him. See some practical fruit of something. There's some creativity. There's something. Now, who should be the most creative people on the earth? Who should be the wisest? Come on, Abraham's seed, my sister. Come on, somebody. So we should be on the forefront of every industry. That's the way it should be, my friend. Because God created all things, did he not? 
The devil takes the things God created and he perverts them. Does he not? The devil is a distorter of God's creativity. Now man is created in the image of God. So one of the things that we have that's unique to us is that we can create. And God's not taking that from us. You know when Adam sinned, God did not take Adam's creativity. He didn't, he didn't remove Adam's nature. Remember, Adam was created in the image of God. To be a creator like God. Let me give you an example. If I go down any neighborhood in America and I go from house to house to house to house, you can be in a subdivision where all the houses are the same, but as soon as you go inside, everything's different, is it not? Mm, It speaks to your creativity. You're fearfully, wonderfully made. You're created in the image of God. You create spaces. You have creativity. There's a uniqueness to every single one of you. Your creativity is there, my friend. Amen? It just hadn't been supercharged by the Holy Ghost, or maybe it has. And if it has, there has to be fruit. Let's talk about it. That's the accountability right there. Everybody talks about how they carry all this power. Man, God, I'm, uh, you know what? I'm so anointed. My God, I can barely stand up myself. I get up out of bed. So no. Whew. You feel that? No, we don't feel that, bro. You're weird. You're weird. Show me some fruit. Eh? Huh? Eh? Everybody say, huh? Huh? That's the Puerto Rican in me coming out. Huh? <laughs> huh? I smack you. No, I'm just kidding. Where'd that come out? Come out. It's my old nature. I can tell you a little bit about, look, my story. Look, I was born in the mountains of Puerto Rico, insignificant. There was anybody ever insignificant. It was us. It's not even on Google Maps. The Google car never went up those mountains. You can't find it on the map where I come from. Amen? I was an ESE student. Anybody know what that is? Special education. Special. I was very special. One day, they took me out of class, and they are like, hey, Alex, you're coming with us. I'm like, oh, okay, great. You know, we're, we got this special program for you. Wow. Excited. Yeah. You know, I might have been special, but it didn't take me long to figure out what was happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So be encouraged. God can use somebody special. Amen. I was a completely different person. I, I actually used to be a hip-hop dancer, believe it or not. Okay. I guess, well, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was a break dancer, a fighter. I used to get into fights all the time. That was the reason why they put me. I, that's what I say to myself. That's the reason why they put me in the special ed classes, because I used to get in trouble all the time, and I miss a lot of school. I promise that's the reason. I wasn't dumb. No, I'm just kidding. So that's my story. And God, you know, when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I couldn't believe, like, I, that God was real. I was like, wow. I was so shocked that God was real. Changed everything. I have yet to recover from that encounter that I had with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And he turned this underdog story, this kid that nobody would have ever believed in, and he changed it into something. Amen? Because for me, it was very easy to give up on my life. 
Amen? When you're already being humbled by the world, it's very easy to be like, I'll trade that in. Shoot. What, am I got? what do I got going on? I know I ain't getting no scholarship. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> ain't got that to fall back on. Amen? Some of you got too much to fall back on. That's your problem. You need to come to a dead end. Amen? Nevertheless, I live, but Christ that lives through me. Amen? I got nothing to boast about. Everything good in my life comes from the Lord. Everything good from my life. Amen? I was very good at messing up. And if the Lord didn't rescue me from me, I would be dead right now. So for me, I live on borrowed time. God gave me the time back. But if it was up to me, I would be dead. Maybe some of you guys could have made it without Jesus. That's not my story. I know for a fact I wouldn't have made it without Jesus. A lot of my friends didn't make it out. Amen? Are you listening to me? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. So the greatest thing from, that ever happened to me is that Jesus stepped into my life and rescued me from me. I was, a, I was big time in the street racing. It consumed my life. Like, I like lived the Fast and the Furious movies, like seriously. So God took a breakdancing street racer and took him around the world preaching the gospel. Amen? The Lord's taken me all over the world preaching the gospel. And he's taken and removed all the limits of my life. I have no limits in my life. If God tells me I can do it, I'm going to do it. Amen? Are you listening to me? If I can hear him say it, I can do it. And money's never an excuse for me to not be able to do what God's called me to do. Are you listening to me? If money can stop you from doing what God's called you to do is because it's the idol in your life. When you remove the idol and you put your eyes on Jesus, then you'll never use that as an excuse. But when you see money as the excuse, that's what you have your eyes fixed on. But as soon as you take your eyes off of money being the excuse and you put your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, then money will never be an excuse as to why you can't do what God's called you to do. Come on, I'm speaking real talk here. I'm telling you right now. He'll put your feet upon a rock. He'll equip you. He'll empower you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He'll give you this principle on seed time and harvest, and you will never lack a thing, my friend. And people will thank God that you answer the call of God. You show up in that village, my God, you turn the village upside down for Jesus. Cities, townships, and villages being shaken by the mighty hand of God for the man and woman of God that gets a hold of these principles. Amen? No limitations. God will remove the limits off of your life. I feel faith arising in this place. Somebody say, mm Look at this. We're talking about finances. Verse 13. We're talking about being blessed with finances. Look at verse 13. While through the proof of this ministry. Amen. Giving is a ministry. Are you listening to me? I'm going to confirm it to you with Romans chapter 12. I'm going to follow up with this. Amen. Everybody say giving is a ministry. Through the proof of this ministry. They glorify God for your obedience of your confessions of the gospel, and your liberality, sharing with all them, all men, and by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace. What grace are we talking about? We're talking about that abounding grace. Are you listening to me? Mm-hmm. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. So it's talking about giving as a gift. Do you see that there? Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Everybody say, indescribable gift. 
I could have came to this place and preached the house down, but that's not what I felt the Lord wanted me to do. I felt the Lord wanted me to bring this word. Amen? Amen. You know, teaching is just as important as hooting and hollering and all the revival stuff that we do. Amen? Some people get laid hands on so much, I mean, so much they're about to go bald, and there's still no fruit in their life. I'm not impressed. We're revival people. Everywhere we go, anywhere in the world, we see revival. People get baptized in the Holy Ghost, set free and delivered. But I'm looking for fruit, and I'm looking for believers to grow up. Amen? And you can't do it without the Word. Amen? You need to get excited about the Word. Come on, somebody. I get excited about the Word. Mm, I'm in this thing. Amen? This thing's in me. Amen? Everybody say this indescribable gift. Talking about giving, right? Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, we're talking, about, uh, we're talking about grace again, things being done by the Spirit of God. That's Anything that's done by grace is being done by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen? For this grace given to me, to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think of himself sorely. For God, soberly, for God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Amen? So we being many in our one body in Christ, individual members of one another, having then gifts. Everybody say gifts. Not everybody's going to claim this gift, but I claimed this gift a long time ago. Amen? You know, the Apostle Paul tells us we can covet the gifts. Amen? Did you know that? You know you're born with gifts that God's already given you, but you can covet gifts. Amen? But I wouldn't covet a gift if you're not being faithful with the one he's already given you. Mm, my God, that's the word, amen? If you're faithful with the little, he'll make you rule over much. Look at the story of the talents, amen? He gave to some, to some, to some, to some. The one that was faithful with the sum, he gave more, amen? amen? So God will grace you more. Let grace abound. Anytime you hear teachings on faith, there's different measures of grace, is there not? Amen? If you're faithful with the grace that's already given to you, God will increase your grace. Is that true? Yes. Well, look at this. Check this out. I claimed this a long time ago, Amen? Can you guys hear me? Turn me up just a little bit. I like to be turned up. Amen? Let all things be done. Amen? I tell my people in my church, let all things be done. When you do something for God, let it be done. Everybody knows it done been done. Amen? If you do something for God, let it be done. When you're done doing something for God, everybody will know you're done. If they don't know you're done, it hadn't been done. My God, okay. You got to have a fire, my God, amen, in your bones to do everything that you do for God. Let it be done. So when I do something, I do it properly. Oh, I get all up in there. You know what I'm talking about? He who exhorts an exhortation. And he who what? He who gives with liberality. Hmm. Now, in the previous verse, in the previous passage, we were talking about giving being a ministry. And then at the end, it says that it is an incredible gift. And now the Bible is confirming this gift in Romans chapter 12. Amen? So there are people in the body of Christ that are supernaturally graced to be givers. My God, I'm one of those. You can be one of those. If you're faithful with the little, with what God's already put in your hand, and you're being a good steward over what God has already entrusted you, he'll give you a supernatural abundant grace to be a radical giver. 
you'll be the guy that gets it done. When God wants to do something on the earth, guess who he shows up? Guess who he talks to? Let me talk to this liberal giver over here. This is a good manager, amen? I can get some things done. I can do business with this man. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. There's a gift for leading, amen? He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, there's nine gifts of the Spirit, but there isn't just nine gifts of the Spirit. The Bible is emphasizing the nine, right, when it's talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit, but there's other gifts, amen, in Romans chapter 12, gift of administration. Are you listening to me? These are supernatural gifts. We know it's supernatural because the word leads with the word grace, amen, which the word grace, the word grace comes from the word charis, which the word charis means a supernatural abundance of grace, amen, when it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, amen. We're not going to get into that, but it's another day. Do you see that? Does that get you excited? Look at this. Let's follow up with some more scriptures here. I'm actually going to share a quick story. So, and I believe the Lord did this as a, as a type and a shadow to show, to really encourage my faith to be built up for what's possible. Now, in our ministry, we're believing God. I'm believing God to raise up a whole group of multimillionaires, and we're already doing it. I, have, I probably have more multimillionaires per capita than any other church. We don't have that big of a church, but we have a lot of millionaires in our church. And they weren't all millionaires when they came to my church. They've applied these principles, and we're prospering people left and right. So when I'm talking about this stuff, we're living this stuff. I'm telling you right now. He was living in his mom's, <laughs> in his mom's house playing video games. He's going to make $300,000 this year. Come on. Charlie had a little business when he came to our church. He's got a million-dollar business in his hands. He's right here. I can go on and on and on and on and on about the people in our church that are grabbing a hold of these principles. Because God's word is true. Amen? And when you start narrowing everything down to your heart and about being pure, amen, being pure in your intention, amen, keeping your heart clean, amen, my God, everything begins to line up, even your perspective about money. So we heard about some things that were happening in the Bahamas. You know the big hurricane that, that came and destroyed that country. Yeah. The, literally a Category 4, almost 5, because I don't even think they have a measurement for 5, but it would have been a 5, sat there for a whole day yeah. and just ravished the whole country. And I knew that the Bahamas was a Christian con- nation, and I love Miles Monroe, so I, I had a heart for the country, I was like, man, my God. I said, surely we could do something about it. So I got together with our business people, and I began to talk to them about what was happening in this country. And I said, let's do something. Let's pray. Let's come together. So we came together, and we were talking about it. And I asked one of my business uh, people, I said, um, because he, he, he does high-level business, and he knows a lot of people. So I told him, I said, um, why don't you reach out and see what they need? What is the greatest need that they need right now? What, what do they need on the ground? So they came back, and they said, Right now in the Bahamas, there are tons of Haitians that are displaced because there's so many, there were so many undocumented Haitians in the country that nobody even knew. I mean, just whole communities just washed away. We're talking about families, children. If you heard the stories, I was on the ground. We're talking about people coming up to me telling me I had to choose which kid to let go of because I couldn't hold them both. I promise you. 
You're talking about dads breaking down weeping because they had to let go of one of their kids to be able to hold the other one. I'm not making this stuff up. So that was how dire the, the situation was. So I said, surely we can do something. So one of my guys came back to me and he said, what they need in the Bahamas is they need a heavy lift aircraft to be able, because all the roads, everything was ravished. We're talking about containers that were in the harbor, 10 miles inland. Containers from the port, boats all over the island. Because literally, there, it wasn't just the hurricane, but the storm surge was a 30-foot wall of water. In the airport, they had hangars where they keep the airplanes, like hangars like this, something big like that. And you could see the water line. And I'm talking about the whole, all the, the, the walls blown out, and all you have is this, the I-beam in the airport. So they said they needed a heavy lift aircraft. So one of my guys said, he said, I'm going to believe God that we can get a Black Hawk helicopter. Now, a Black Hawk helicopter is very unique because they don't allow civilians to fly Black Hawk helicopters. So it's a very hard helicopter to find. And if you did find it, it's very expensive. Well, we just said, okay, let's pray. So we prayed. And to make a long story short, we were able to acquire two Black Hawk helicopters. These helicopters cost $60,000 to $80,000 a day. And we got these helicopters for two weeks. Our church, the people in our church, were the first ones with heavy lift aircraft. Before FEMA, before the military, before the United States of America, we had two Black Hawk helicopters rescuing Haitians, running missions back and forth. I'm telling you, give God glory. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this, and I know the reason God did this with us is because I'm just practicing becoming these sons of Abraham. Are you listening to me? The, the world groans and travails for you to begin to manifest the nature that's on the inside of you. My God, you have no idea how much potential you have. So we begin, look, we got two Black Hawk helicopters. We hired two Navy SEALs as our, as our security need detail. And I'm flying missions with two Navy SEALs in and out of disaster zones. We'd literally fly around, and we'd see them come out like ants around the helicopter. We'd land, throw as much food as we can, and go back, run some more missions, rescuing babies out of destruction zones. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of families didn't die because somebody decided to answer the call. Are you going to be the one that God calls? Can God call you? My friend, I'm telling you, he can do not belittle yourself. There is greatness living on the inside of you. God only knows what lives on the inside of you, the potential. Because I was a nobody. I already told you that. If there ever, ever was a nobody, it was me. So we're running missions back and forth. We're finding Christians on the ground. There was this other humanitarian aid organization full of believers. And we all started coming together in the airport. We, we had, um, the airport was blown up, and there was like this, this we found one building that was like kind of still put together. We set up like a military operation. We had the map, everybody coming in and out, began to work together. It just became organic, and, we, and the news became to spread, and the news became to spread. Who are these guys that would come and rent Black Hawk helicopters? I want to partner with you guys. What, you guys, what? You guys did what? Everybody began to partner with us. Because they saw, I want to partner with those guys that have the faith for Blackhawks. And I'm telling you, as you begin to believe God, people will see your faith and they will link. They want to get linked to your caboose because you're going somewhere. Come on, somebody. Somebody's going to get linked to your train when you begin to believe God for big things. 
It's your job to begin to inspire your community to get behind something. Amen? Now, this church has a big vision. I'm telling you right now, if there was ever a church that's got flavor, mm, my God, I like what's cooking in this place. My God, I taste some arroz con pollo in this place. My God. Some platano maduro. My God. There's some cafe con leche up in this place. My God. I don't know, but I like it. You know what I'm talking about? There's some flavor in this place. There's vision in this house. So people began to hear what, I, what we were doing. So we get a phone call. There's these guys. They run, literally, the biggest electronic music festival in the world. It's called EDC. 300,000 people go to this festival a year. We're doing 300,000 people on a the field. They're the biggest in the world. They began to hear what we were doing through our business connections. They wanted to come down to partner with us. This guy, the CEO of the company, flew down to meet with us because of what we were doing. And at the time, there was all these displaced people, and we were believing God for shelters and tents to put the people in. The guy's like, you know what? We do this big EDC festival, and we have these shift pods. With these shift pods, actually look up on your phone what a shift pod is. It's an insulated structure that when you set it up, it's permanent. It can withstand 70-mile-an-hour winds. It's like a luxury tent. These guys gave us $120,000 in shift pods. We got over $100,000 in generators donated to us. And it just kept going and going and going and going. People donating aircraft, cargo planes, donating. Boom, 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 boom. Somebody came and donated a 90,000 square foot warehouse. We had to create a foundation. The money was pouring in so out of control that we literally had to create a foundation. And it's called a live deluxe. Uh, Love and Life Foundation, if you want to look it up. The Orlando Sentinel came and did a piece, a piece on what we were doing. This is all people come and thank God because you answered the call. This is what we're talking about. The president of the Bahamas met with us. The prime minister of the Bahamas met with us, with his whole cabinet to thank us. The United Nations gave us a medal and wrote us a letter telling us thank you for your service. I'm telling you, there's nothing impossible for them to believe. This humanitarian effort is still going on to this day. And we have a 90,000 square foot warehouse full to the brim. Somebody donated a barge for us to use for a whole year for free. And that barge does not stop. The Navy SEALs that came on the trip, when I saw them come into the lobby of the hotel room, the Lord told me, he says, wait, I'll let you know when it's time. Both of them ended up giving the heart to Jesus in a radical way, people. Who leads a Navy SEAL to the Lord? Only God can do that. Let me tell you something. How are you going to lead a Navy SEAL to the Lord? Do you know the United States government breaks them and turns them into machines? It is impossible to lead a Navy SEAL to the Lord. These men have the most extraneous interrogation tactics. You can't break these guys. But the Holy Ghost can. The guy, one of the guys I really became close with to this day, when he gave his heart to the Lord, this is what he said. They woke up that morning. They were running security detail very early in the morning. I woke up a little later than that. <laughs> and he's like, um, because he heard the other Navy SEAL got saved the night before. And the way that happened was, man, I could just go on. I don't want to take it so long, but I'll make a long story as short as I can. That night we stayed up with this other Navy SEAL. And um, one of the guys that came on our trip, because what we were doing was getting so out of control with the finances and everything. I called my pastor. 
And Pastor Rodney was helping us with aircraft and things like that. And, um, and I said, um, can you please send a, a team of Bible school students? So he sends a team of Bible school students, right? We're all staying in a house with a, t- with a group of Bible school students and two Navy SEALs. I mean, it's like, a, it's crazy. And um, it's funny because, because I was like, Pastor, you know, it's a disaster zone. It's very dangerous. And then when we get to the tarmac to pick them up, it's just a bunch of kids. And, I, and I'm, like, I'm like, you know, I see the plane land, and I'm like, I see all these kids running towards me. I'm like, no, nah, it can't be the team. No, nah, it's, it's got to be somebody else. And they're like, hey, Pastor Alex. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm in a disaster zone with a bunch of kids. So, <laughs> so, so these kids come. And one of the kids that came, one of the guys that came was the lead guitarist for a band called Pop Evil. It's a famous rock band. He was the lead guitarist for that band. And Guy Fieri, you know the show um, Diners, Divers, and Dives or something like that? The guy that, Guy Fieri, everybody knows who Guy Fieri is. Well, the, one of the Navy SEALs that came on that trip ran security detail for Guy Fieri. And Guy Fieri's favorite band was Pop Evil. So they had partied together on the touring bus. It is crazy because these guys, you, you can tell they're, they're, they're so locked in because the very first thing that this guy said, that this Navy SEAL said when he saw the guitars, he's like, do I know you from somewhere? And he's like, no, no, no. they couldn't figure out whether, whether they knew each other. But one night, they stayed up late, and I can tell it was almost like the Navy SEAL was interrogating him because he wanted to find out where he knew this guy from. And I was watching the thing, so, I, so then he began, so, that, so the guy, because he was entertaining him so much, he was like, I'm just going to share my testimony with this Navy SEAL. He's like talking to me, so I'm just going to share my testimony. And as he began to share his testimony, they found out that they were on the same bus together. And they partied before. And he couldn't believe that the guy had given his heart to Jesus. So the guy literally pushes the table away, and he's got goosebumps all over him. He's like, I'm freaking out, guys. What the heck is going on here? Like the guy's freaked out. And I point to him, and I say, Eddie, the Lord brought you here to get you saved because he loves you. And he literally breaks down. And he begins to weep. And we all come around him, and he gave his heart to the Lord that night. Come on, give Jesus glory. So when they ran security detail the next morning, Eddie told them what happened. So the other guy, his name was Mike, he, come, he comes in the morning. He says, hey, hey, I heard what happened last night. Can I come talk to you in the room? So then he, <laughs> so you, you don't say no to a Navy SEAL. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and then he begins to pour out everything, all kinds of stuff he never talked to anybody about. And I share the gospel with him. I told him how Jesus loved him. And this is how that man gave his heart to Jesus. He looked at me after I shared the gospel. He took a step forward and he said, he said, Pastor Alex, I'm ready to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior right now. <laughs> like, just soldiered up, bro. You know that was a commitment. <laughs> I'm like, I've led a lot of people to Jesus, but my God, I've never seen anybody come to Jesus like that. That boy was like, I'm ready. Sign me up, sir. <laughs> Come on, somebody. My God. Woo! I laid hands on him, and the power of God touches this man. Changes his whole life. Doesn't deal with PTSD anymore. He's always in contact with me. He's so happy. His whole life was transformed. We have a great relationship. And it's crazy because, look, man, I'm just telling you, you're... God wants to t- turn your life into an adventure. Amen? There's no limitation. Would God call me to go to Africa? 
Well, how did you go to Africa, Pastor Alex? We were traveling to Central and South America. We were happy because I was eating rice and beans and ministering to my people. I know their language, you know. It was great culture. I'm like, I was happy in Central and South America. God calls me to Africa. I'm like, what am I going to do in Africa? But the Lord takes your heart. He puts it somewhere else, somewhere else, and then you got to go there to find it, right? So we sold everything we had, and in six weeks we were in South Africa with nothing, not knowing anybody. And the Lord prospered us and took care of us in South Africa. I can go on and on and on and on. So a man of God that puts his eye on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, my God, everything you tell me I can do, I will do it, Lord. And I will give no excuse. And I will use those principles that you've given me. And I'll use those keys to the kingdom to unlock riches, to unlock doors that no man can shut. Come on, somebody. Shambro se taraba. Woo! But I say condena, mama. And there will be no impossibility to what you can do on this earth, my friend. I'm just telling you. The Lord brought me here to level you up, amen? Just pump you full of faith, amen? amen? Full of the word of God. There's nothing impossible with God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Shortly thereafter, another organization found out what we were doing from the Bahamas because it was on the Orlando Sentinel. People just kept finding out. So a, a company that owns luxury condos wanted to remodel all their condos. And they said, you know, we're remodeling everything. And it was luxury high-end condos. Everything in there was like leather couches. I'm talking about nice stuff. They're like, we're remodeling everything. They came to one of my business people that was running the whole efforts. And they said, um, could you guys use $50 million worth of inventory for the Bahamas? We got $50 million worth of inventory. Would you, could you guys use it for the Bahamas? I said, yeah, you know, I think we can probably, you know, probably, we'll probably use it. So we're talking about just a group of people decided to come together and believe God. Well over $70, $80 million worth of resources have gone into the Bahamas as a result of men of God, men of faith, just believing God, just stepping out. What can God do with you? God can do that with you. Where, nation, where you begin to lend to nations and not borrow. Everybody wants to talk about it, but somebody's got to do it. So as soon as the mandate for coronavirus lifts, we're gonna, I'm going to go in there with evangelists. We're going to do crusades in every major city in the Bahamas. Because we didn't come to the government. The government came to us. We're going to take over that whole island. We're just waiting for everything to lift. You want to talk about in-reaches? We, we, got, we got like millions of dollars worth of inventory. We just give stuff away. We'll give everything away. Everybody that comes on the crusade field could have something. No need for raffles. Everybody gets blessed. You get one. You get one. You get one. You get one. Come on, somebody. It's not just us. It's not just Oprah that can do that. Come on, the children of God can do that. You get what? How about you? Come on now. My God, you get one. Everybody's going to be blessed. And we're going to start moving those resources for the kingdom of God. I already spoke to Evangelist Ankit. I don't even have to do the crusades. I just facilitate the whole thing. I'll get, brother, I'll get the man with the gift to go out there. Amen? I said, Evangelist Anki, we'll send you out there. We'll pay for everything. Just go preach. And he doesn't need us to pay for everything because he's blessed himself. He's like, no, I won't pay for it. We, 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 we fight all the time about who's going to pay for what. No, I won't pay for it. No, I'm going to pay for it. Everybody say no limits. No 
No boundaries. I see increase. Right? We've been, we've been talking about it a lot. Amen? But how many billionaires do you know that are spirit-filled? Not just spirit-filled, but carry the fire. I don't know one. But we talk a big game. Amen? Think about it. Out of all the religions on the earth, who talks the biggest game on prosperity? Pentecostals, we talk like we're trillionaires. My God, only prosperity, oh Lord. We're flexing hard, but we don't own anything. We don't own one Fortune 500 company. We don't own one major tech company, not one major car company. Somebody's got to decide when they're going to believe this thing. Amen? There is a missing ingredient, and that's what I came to talk to you about today. The missing ingredient is everything's got to be filtered through love. Love's got to be the foundation, my friend. Purity has got to be the foundation of your giving. And when you make that adjustment, ain't nobody on this planet, not the devil himself, can stop you from prospering. Can I get a big shout of amen in this place? My God. We're going to shake the entertainment industry. We're going to shake the tech industry. Media. Movies. Why not? Man, there's so much flavor in this place, it's oozing out of this place. We got to bottle up this flavor and begin to export it. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's your job. You guys got to do that. Amen. You got to begin to bottle up what's happening in this place and begin to export it. Take your share of vision. There's so much vision in this place. Fill it up and begin to pour it out. Multiply. Increase. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And you're going to do the shaking. We're going to build parks. In the cities. Why not? Yeah. We're going to build community centers where kids can come and have after school programs. Come on, somebody. Right. You guys are already doing a lot of what we want to do. You guys are already doing it. You know why I'm here? Because I'm inspired by your pastor's vision. I don't really care to go preach anywhere. I really don't. I'm a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. You know how it is. We're comfortable. I like my people. <laughs> Amen. That's it. That's it. I'm not really interested. <laughs> I'm, just, you know, I'm happy. You know? I'm just building. Well, I'm happy building. Amen. We did that. Before I was a pastor, I traveled for many years. You know, I traveled, 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 traveled. And what started happening was I'd travel for a city, be there for three weeks. And I didn't want to leave because I'm like, we got to disciple the people. What's going to happen with the people when we leave? Because I was a pastor. You know, the Lord was transitioning me. So we're all about raising people up. Amen. But man, my God, with, with, with the vision of your pastor and what you guys are doing with the kids it's very creative. There's so much flavor in that. I'm like, mmm. I get around him, he starts talking. I'm like, mmm. I like what you're cooking. And I, by the way, he's a great cook. I don't know if you know. My God. Brother can throw down. I you want to speak in tongues. I'm going to give you this scripture. And we're going to begin to close. We're going to start coming in for landing. Start coming in for landing. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, therefore, he says, when he has ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Everybody say, gave gifts to men. One of the things that people forget is that the gift comes encased in a man. Everybody wants the gift. He gave gifts to men. Give me the gift. Give me the gift. No, no, no. He sent you the man. The man carries the gift. The man carries the vision. Are you listening to me? 
God's army is an army. And there is a hierarchy to God's army. The Bible says that he's given us pastors as shepherds to watch over our souls. That is the job of a shepherd. Amen? And the Holy Spirit will bring you to a shepherd so that you can have accountability and have somebody looking out for, over your soul to make sure that you make it to heaven. Amen? That's why the Bible says that the teacher of the word, the preacher, those that God has put over authority over you are worthy of double honor. Everybody say double honor. Now, I want to tell you this about America, which is part of the reason why we don't prosper. Americans don't even understand single honor, let alone double honor. Amen? (laughs) Single honor don't even exist, let alone double honor. And you know what's the biggest tragedy? This is the biggest tragedy. Is that Americans respect acumen, but they don't respect anointing or gifting. You know what Americans respect? They respect if you look the part. If you look the part and you talk the part. You just got to pretend, you know. If I begin to act like Joan Olstein, then I get some respect. But as soon as I start acting down to earth, then you start abusing my humility and you take advantage of it. And there's no honor. And you become familiar and that brings contempt. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, your pastor is very cool. Amen. You have a cool pastor. But don't ever take advantage of that, of him being cool. Amen. And, be, and begin to get in over into dishonor. Amen? Look, I couldn't be fake. I just have nothing in me to be fake. You know, I'm just, I just keep it real. You know, I got a little ghetto sprinkled into me, and it's all good. You know? <laughs> when, I be, when I first went to Bible school, I used to wear only three-piece suits. And God's like, God's like, what are you doing? Are you trying to be Joel Osteen, brother? We all know you can't be Joel Osteen. And, he, and the Lord told me, he said, do not forget the flavor I put in you. Because that's there to reach a generation. And I was trying to wash that flavor that God gave me to become this cookie-cutter image that people want because people crave it. And if you don't act the part, you don't get treated the part. But let that not be the case in this house. Are you listening to me? Don't take advantage of somebody just because they're humble and sweet and cool. Now, God, you should go the extra amount of humble to, to, to honor them even more. It's amazing that guys that act pretentious and holier than everybody else are the ones that get all the honor. Come on, man. Recognize the gift that God's brought to this house. Recognize the gift that God's brought to this city because it's not just for this house. Don't forget that. It's for this city. This church is not only going to impact this city. This church is called to impact this whole region and to export what happens in this region to other places. Come on, somebody. Are you listening to me? Recognize what God's brought you to become a part of because unity happens by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Who defines who your pastor is? Is it God? Right? So if you call him your pastor because God told, you know, Pastor Nick, you know, I've been coming to this church, man, you're pretty cool, man, I like your worship, pretty awesome. You know, so I was praying the other day, and the Lord told me you're my pastor. Great. Are you sure that's what he said? Amen. Yes. And then that same guy will come a month later and say, well, you know, Pastor, it's been really good being in church, my guy, you know. But I just feel the Lord's calling me in a different season. And uh, my God, I just feel the Lord shifting and moving me <laughs> to a different season. It's amazing that that doesn't exist in the Bible. There's nowhere in the scripture that talks about shifting a season for your spiritual authority. 
Don't use, don't use Christianese to justify rebellion. Because I'm going to tell you this, this whole love thing that we talk about in this place, that we've been talking about, about you being blessed and everybody's rallied after that, you can't have love without covenant, people. You cannot carry the love of God and be a rebellious person at the same time. Rebellion is as of witchcraft, according to the Bible. So the problem with why Christians are not blessed, specifically Pentecostals. Pentecostals, my God, we bounce around, skip, got, my God, all over the place. My God, I just bounce this church, bounce that church, my God, you know. <laughs> I told you I was, I was a little ghetto. You know what I'm saying? I try to tell you, but you don't listen. You're just bouncing around everywhere. Amen? Amen? Might as well call yourself a goat. He said he was going to separate the sheep from the goats. Goats can't be herded. They're unruly. They're rebellious. Goats are the people that are always talking about different seasons, jumping from church to church. I've never seen a goat blessed. I've never seen anybody that jumps from church to church be blessed, ever. Never. They're always the biggest gossipers. They cause problems. I sniff them a mile away. I see a goat. I'm like, bring me the shotgun, buddy. <laughs> we chase people away from my church. Hey, man, are you, tell- are you listening to me? I'll try to tame them, try to turn them into a sheep. I believe in the gift of creative miracles. My God, we can turn them into a sheep. And if it doesn't work, then we pull them out back and shoot them. Amen? (laughs) Man, people can't submit to any authority. And they want authority. You can't have authority unless you're under authority. You can't carry this love that God's talking about without unity. And unity is by the Holy Ghost. Pastor Roddy is my pastor because God said so. There's a period at the end of that. He didn't ask for my opinion. God doesn't really care. So I just got to line up with what he says. Is that true? And I'm not just talking. I bless my pastor. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to tell you a little bit, just to provoke some of you. We bless, I bless my pastor into the six figures every single year. Okay. Because everybody can talk about it. How many people do that? You know, when I was armor bearing for Pastor Rodney, and a lot of people say things like this. Man, I can't, be- I can't wait. One day I'm going to be a blessing to the man of God. And then they get blessed and forget about. Everywhere I go in the world, I carry the anointing of that ministry. And I have that anointing because I'm under that covering. It's not because I'm just a super special person. No, that was imparted to me under that ministry. Amen? And there is delegated authority because God puts generals on the earth. And he gives gifts to men. And we need to recognize that gift, that apostolic gift that God gave to men. I recognize it. And I'm coming up under it because you told me to come up under it. And that's where my impartation comes, on, comes from. Amen? So if you want ministry without impartation, don't come up under authority. But if you want to carry something real to a lost generation, you better come up under authority. And I'm not telling you to come up under authority. You ask God and let him tell you who is your authority. I've never met a man that has authority that's not under authority. Never have. So now it's very easy to understand why Christians are not blessed. We carry a strong anointing for deliverance. Guess what all my disciples carry? Everywhere they go, they carry the same anointing for deliverance. Amen? Everywhere I go, the joy of the Lord breaks out. Why? Because I come up into that ministry. 
Everybody wants to be anointed all by themselves, but that's not the body. That's not the way it works. When God delegates authority, he never takes it back. Look at the priesthood. God gave the priesthood to man. Man defiled it. When God came on the earth, he didn't say, I'm the man now. No, he gave the priesthood to man. So he had to go to man to get it back. Is that the truth? That's called submission to authority. God submitted himself under man and told John the Baptist, no, it has to be done this way. Because I gave it to you. Now you got to give it back to me. Now you don't want to submit to authority. And Jesus came and submit. God himself came and submitted to a man and told him it has to be done this way. There's no fear of God. There's no respect and honor for the things of God and the men of God. And that's why people are not anointed. That's why people are broke, busted, and disgusted. When you begin to understand this concept of submission and authority, and I'm closing with this. I'm telling you, it'll unlock the blessing. How is it that I can give so much to my pastor? Because I'm blessed. And I want to do more. And I'm going to do more. I got a gun I'm going to build for him. I'm going to build, like, the most epic gun. It's going to be like this epic present. I think of creative ways on how to bless him. All the time. I can't wait to build this gun. It's going to be, like, ridiculous. Nobody told me to do that. It comes out of my heart. Amen? When you honor the man of God, you honor God. God loves it. And I want to tell you something about the, this house and the finances of this house. When you begin to honor the gift in the house, God will entrust this house with more finances. I'm telling you, when your honor for this man goes up, the finances for this church will go up. I'm telling you, and I'm talking about personally. When you begin to bless them. And to Stuart, God's like, look, they respect my man. That's a church in unity that I can bless. God's looking for a unity. The Bible says the place of the commanded blessing is where? When brothers come in unity. When you begin to rally after this couple and the vision of this house, God's not just going to bless this house out of control with finances, but he's going to begin to bless the people in this house. I'm just telling you, this is the way it works. And you see this all through Scripture. All kinds of examples I can give you. Jesus told his disciples, when I go away, it's beneficial that I go away. Because I will ask my Father and he will send you the Holy Spirit. Everything has an order, a divine function. Even the Godhead knows. Each, each one in the Godhead has a place. Everything fo- functions in a divine order of authority. My friends, when you begin to study this, you'll see it all through Scripture. It's a powerful, powerful thing to get a hold of. He didn't, Jesus didn't say, when I go away, I will send you the Holy Spirit. No, he said, I will ask my Father, and he will send you the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, when I go away, don't pray to me. Pray to the Father. Because the, all good things come from the Father of lights, right? That's, isn't that what the Bible says? All good things come from the Father. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus stands as our advocate. That's why we don't pray to Jesus. Because the Father is the one that sends the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the Word. The Holy Ghost is the one that acts on it. So Jesus goes to heaven and he becomes our advocate, our standby. So when we ask the Father, Jesus says, give it to him. Because I paid for it. That's why we pray to the Father. People pray to Jesus all the time. You're supposed to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. 
See, so everything about submission to authority, the way authority functions, it begins to refine everything in your life. It begins to refine your giving. It begins to refine even the way you pray, everything. Doctrine is important, my friend. What you believe and how you believe it is very important. Lining up to God's word is very important, my friend, especially in the times that we live in. Jesus on the earth said, I will ask my Father and he will send you the Holy Spirit. He was already becoming our advocate on the earth. This is the same thing he's doing. In heaven, I will continue to continue to ask my Father because now I purchased everything you need. My God, come on, give Jesus the clap. He did it. And he said, it is finished 2,000 years ago at Calvary's cross. Jesus paid the price for everything you're ever going to need, my friend. And he said, it's finished. And now we can go to the Father in his name and place a demand on his word. And he will fulfill it. What a wonderful Savior we have. What a wonderful Redeemer. My God. I love Jesus. You become accurate. What you believe. How you believe. You're careful. And you begin to line up. I'm just so glad to be A part of the family Got you and you got me.